We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The timing of when you say a word in relationship to the beat, that can be everything because the MC has to be a drum within the beat. I'm looking for that in uh, the stand-up comic. Absolutely. I'm looking for it in the presidential speech. I'm always looking for the timing of when a word is dropped. It's beautiful. The dope pause that yeah. sucks you in. Oh, Obama was the man at that. That's an art, too, that I had to learn. When to pull a word... When there just shouldn't be a word. When to just breathe right there. Like, it's all art. Joe Budden is a force in hip-hop culture. He's an MC who retired and became a podcaster and became a way bigger voice in the culture because he keeps it extra real. Joe ain't easy to interview. But he's great to talk to. I am so excited to bring this one to you guys. Right now, it's the mighty Joe Budden on Torre Show. Just the sound of your voice is really unique and powerful. It's very deep, and it comes from very deep in your throat, in your chest, and it really stands out comes from years of bad judgment and <laughs> regrets smoking <laughs> oh man yeah yeah but I, I i do like what it has done to my voice probably not for my health it's it's you're much deeper than most rappers um uh, deeper in what way i mean like this the sound the sound of the, the oh, sound yeah. and the gravel and mm-hmm. like the depth from within your chest that it comes from yeah it's much, a lot of rappers the voice is kind of high you know you think jay-z so hard but his voice is kind of high his voice is high you know q-tip you maybe go on people's voices are kind of high your voice is very deep yeah but you you also name and you're naming some of the people with like the greatest tones yeah and greatest rap voices ever so it's like um who else is like that? 
like Fife, rest in peace, Fife. Snoop's voice is kind of high. Snoop. Um, yeah, it's only a few of us like this. You like Rick Ross is a little more toward your Ross's tone of depth and gravel yeah. and. Yeah, they always bunch me in with like I guess you would think of a Jeezy too. Mm-hmm. 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 He's a bit more raspy. Um, but the way people rapped started to change, right? So. Like I, we were talking about a clip the other day where Big Sean was rapping, sitting down, like talking, mm. but he was rapping the verse. So that kind of happened this decade where your tone on the mic wasn't even a rap voice anymore. Now, just your speaking voice would do the verse because now today allows for more spacing. The beats got slower. A lot more space. So now... You know, it damn near is not, there are a lot of songs that's just really not rap at all. Spoken word. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like With some double, the, the double old times. man being like, back in my day, verses had density. <laughs> and now there's so much space. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like the 90s era that you were a part of, it became so complex in terms of density, in terms of the things you were talking about, in terms of the number of words that were squished in between the choruses, Mm -hmm. that the only way for the next generation to differentiate themselves would be to go in the other direction of more space. I agree. You you couldn't get any more dense. I agree. No, I just agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that before, though. Like, Like when everybody was complaining about the mumble rap and the slurred rap or the slower spaced out rap. It was like, well, shit, what else did you want the kids to do? <laughs> How like, else would they do We had already done all of that. Like, let them create from a different, from a different wavelength. I really appreciate guys who are thoughtful about the ad libs to where it feels like they're talking to themselves in the verse. <laughs> it can be done in a really intelligent way. It can be done in a really dumb way. <laughs> But it can be done in a really smart way. I like when it's done dumb. <laughs> you dumb. like the I dumb? Do. I do. I do. Because I enjoy, as a as a former recording artist, I listen for your ad-lib track. I listen to how many of them you have there. And I want to see how you utilize it. So, like, when, uh, actually, the other day we were just playing uh, Wyclef, uh, Someone Please Call 911. I think that's the greatest ad lib track ever. Just like pick up the phone, y'all, just in the background, like responding to the hook that you wrote. Excellent. Yeah. But it was funny. Yeah. I love the dumb shit. You still write? I haven't. Urge to write? No. No. Mm-hmm. You don't miss it? I mean, I walk through the house and conjure up a bar or two here and there. It's like shooting an air jumper. In the trash can. Right. So, I mean, but actually sitting down and writing something out. No. Not in my phone. I write podcast topics. You know, one thing I notice listening, especially I listen to Knuckleheads podcast a lot. I love that show. Mm-hmm. You, you, you listen to that show? I'm familiar. love that show. A lot. That and, 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 and uh, all the smoke. A lot of the... Love them. Basketball players say that Drake is their favorite of all time. That comes up. Oh, he's number one or number two. They'll say Pac and Drake or Pac is, or Drake is my number. And I'm like, wow. 
this generation like really respects him as a serious MC. I was like, he, he's dope. He made a bunch of songs that I like. I never took him as like a serious MC to be on somebody's top five. Hmm. It's interesting that you say that. I know who Drake is as an MC. He has made several songs that I love that I would go rock with right now. He has made, and barely any rapper of the last 10 years has made anything as complex as Exhibit C. Just, just, just putting up, and like you put up one complex, true. brilliant, personal statement like that. I mean, like I wrote an essay on Exhibit C. I don't, there's very few rappers who I could like look at their song and write a whole essay, like just combing through the song. And like, that's why he, to me, remains in high esteem. It's not about, not necessarily about the amount of product, but like you put one up that high and, and, and you've done that, you know, many, many times, many, many bars that are like super complex. And you're talking about spirituality and centuries mm-hmm. ago and your head is completely somewhere else. It's true. That's true. So that's why I continue to be interested in waiting for what is this guy talking about? I think you'll get a lot of that on whatever's to come. Little Nas X tweeted, who in New York want to have a crying contest? And your response was so ill. You said, I'll crush you, nigga. You never been sad. (laughs) (laughs) What What are you talking about? Break that down for me. Which is so dismissive, too. That's horrible. What? That's so dismissive of this kid's sadness. <laughs> but you're like, yo. I but mean, shut the fuck up. Like, how old are you? You're 19, 20. Just was born. <laughs> the world has been great. You were you were born to FaceTime calls. Like, you don't you don't want to talk about sadness. I'll fucking end you. Talking about your what are you what are you referring to when you say that? You never been. I I'm Joe Budden. I know sadness. My, what are you referring my, to? I'm referring to my entire discography. <laughs> it's all it's all sadness. It's sadness over beats. And I could really go to any point in life and find something that I might have been sad about. That's not something that has escaped. I mean, maybe recently, but yeah, there's always something to be sad about. What are you Death. sad about now? No, I said that's escaped recently. So now you're happier than you've ever been? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, with the exception of the birth of my children and moments like that. But, yeah, I'm, I won't say happy. I'll say at peace. At peace. But take me into some of the depression or sadness that you have dealt with. Oh, well, shit. From 10 to 21 was depression and sadness. Um, where do we want to start? Wherever, wherever. Yeah, from 10 to 21, let's do a quick timeline. My older brother's five years older. So whatever he was going through, we all went through. So if he's 15 and I'm 10, yeah, that's probably the beginning of whatever traumatic experiences and you uh, are happening to you and how you will deal with them moving forward. Right. So then you run into puberty 
Like, and this is just vaguely speaking, but you can kind of get a sense of what's going on here. Then you run into puberty. You're fucking figuring out how your dick works. You're figuring out guns and drugs and music and the streets. And yeah, all of that was horrible. Being reactive, depending on what type of household you come from. You might have been sheltered and now you want to wild out in the streets. Like, yeah, that, those were dark times. Uh, learning about the judicial system, learning about being black in America, <laughs> learning about America and the marketing scam that that is. Like, it's all sad. We're born into it. You can pick a spot, and I can point you to sadness at that time. I mean, even when you get to be... And then, and then I hit the music business. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, you had a lot of success. Sounds... You had a career that you know, a lot of people would respect and like a lot of people would envy. And yet you're like, yeah, but I was really sad. Oh, I, that's my story. I, I, I speak to that. The music business, uh, much like America, big marketing scam. Uh, it's presented to be one way and it's entirely different. And you have to go through that to learn that. The part that I'm fortunate, the part that I'm blessed and fortunate about in my story is I did all the avenues. I don't think there are many people that can say that in music. I did them all. I did the major with the big single. I did the major without the big single. I did the switching of regimes in a major. I've done being shelved on a major. I've done the independent route. I've done the digital only route. I've done the mixtape route. I've done the the group route. Like, I've done TV. Like, all of these different, yeah, I, that's where the blessing comes. Because now you're just taking information from all of these different places and, and it's on display today. And you're locating your sadness externally, right? The The environment is imposing crazy situations on you and that's making you sad. Was there not depression that was coming from within you that no matter what the input you would have been sad well how do we know the answer to that i mean you would like, only you would like, know the answer to that well, that's, but. well what i'm saying is my parents were my dad was on coke and crack my mom was so again you're born how you're born and you're born into what you're born into we were born in the we were in Washington Projects in Spanish Harlem. So, no, I'm a baby. I don't know anything about sadness. But the environment was sad. And that continued. So, I mean, no, I didn't ever, I never looked at myself as sad inside until I started to take some personal, uh, personal inventory in my brother's rehab that he was in at 10. And then it was like, whoa, okay, maybe there are all these things going on that I was unaware of. And then I just started writing from that point on. So then I was always fully aware of what was going on inside because I was always writing it, which is why I say it's all in my discography. It's there. It's documented. A couple months ago, five and a half, four and a half months ago, I stopped smoking 
weed because I realized I'm numb to reality because I'm smoking all the time. And I've been smoking all the time for like 20 years. Oh, okay. Um, where are you at? Because the first time we talked, we talked about you getting your drinking behind you. You sure? Back then? I think so. I don't think I was drinking back then. Yeah, I'm saying you was behind you. Oh, okay. You were you were yeah. you were in control of that habit. Yes. Um where are you still now there. with you're still sober? Yes. What about with drugs? How are you doing? Still there. Is it a struggle for you? No. I mean, when we're in this culture, people are constantly doing it, offering it. What culture? Hip hop culture, young black male American, culture, American culture, hey, boy well, culture. Yes, yeah, it's, it's this is bigger than hip hop. It's not just we may be being used, but it's much bigger than hip hop. They still won't tell us where the coke is that came in on the J.P. Morgan bus. I mean, our boat. Like it's not a hip hop, but it's issue. Like, it's like it's like almost every hip hop song has to have some reference to it. It's like, I feel like there's some inspector who's like, did you make a reference to hit, to marijuana on this album? No, go back, slipping in somewhere. Even if, even if it's a song about blah, 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 like just slip in a reference somewhere. Just make sure everyone knows that you're still smoking. And those messages get in. You don't even realize it. Like, oh, it's conditioning. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, who just, somebody just, uh, Damn, somebody put out a, a vlog about this. About how, the, uh, damn, somebody from a group, somebody from Bone Thugs, they put out something saying that 30 years ago they overheard some exec from the label saying, hey, put this in the music so we can condition the kids from urban communities. Really? Yeah, that, that's, again, back to what the music business really is. So when you say culture, like I always want to stop people to say, all right, what are we talking about in culture? Because that might be a fucking myth too. I mean, it's multiple cultures yeah. overlapping. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But it, uh, I find sometimes I have to think ahead of like, I used to smoke with that person and I'm going to see them in six hours or 12 hours or in two days, and I have to tell them ahead of time, like, I don't do that anymore, so please don't offer. Because when we get in the moment, I may be tempted and, like, get back into the habit of, like, yeah, we used to do that. We had a good time doing that. And, like, okay. You know what I mean? And then, like, when you get close to the temptation, it's harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you find yourself tempted or needing to like you know pre-condition people like i don't do that anymore so don't offer that no. to me not everybody around me pretty much knows how i give it up your post music path has been really fascinating and i'd you, say you've 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 expanded your reach and your place in the culture uh, you know, I mean, like you had a certain place in the culture when you were an MC, mm-hmm. but I think your place in the culture is much bigger now with the various things you're doing. And I know you say 
it wasn't purposeful. There was not some strategy. But how did this happen that the your place in the culture has expanded so much more? Because that's not normal. Well, retiring from rap is not normal. Let's start there. <laughs> True. So the start of this was nuts. And that was a process of even getting people to believe that you're really done. You're not going to, everyone says they're done. So, you know, I I was determined to stand in that. Like to go back would have been regression to me. So I stood in it. And I, and I relied on the things that kind of, I practiced while I rapped. Like I did radio when I rapped. Um, I fucked around with putting different audio on different platforms before it was podcast. Just practice. And I always said when rapping was done that I would try my hand at broadcasting. Of course, when I was saying that, I was thinking uh, Hot 97, uh, BLS or some shit like that. Who knew that this audio phenomenon would be taking place like this? I didn't. I didn't at all. So then we just had a string of good ideas from there. The same as making a song. We just started take, using the time to create some other things, and, and they worked. And the people appreciated it. The people, uh, they respected it. There, there was a void this decade, honestly. Like, when I was rapping, at the tail end of me rapping, I walked out of like four different interviews. So, walked out of Ebro. Curse Charlemagne out over here. Like the trend of rappers wanting to do press, that was dying dying quickly. It was dying fast. And then and then we had our own outlets. So I was like, you know what? You come up here to ask the same salacious shit. They don't really give a fuck about the project. They didn't listen. They don't care about you. So, yeah, they stopped doing that shit. So when I started doing it, it was like, all right, I'm an artist. I know what I hated. So let's talk for real now. And, yeah, there was nobody doing that, really. Like, when we were doing Everyday Struggle, I cursed L.A. Reed out on on Everyday Struggle. Like, you you weren't going to get that from a journalist or a radio guy or it was unique. It was special. Yeah, it was, looking back at it. And then that kind of just continued. And then Joe was going to Joe, so some shit imploded. And when that, not imploded, exploded. And when that exploded, shit, that, that made, that helped. That helped. That helped. Yes. Why did it explode? Explosions help. Why did it? Why did it help? Why did it help? Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Why did it explode? Bad business on half of my business partners. <laughs> it exploded for the same reason that it will always explode. Uh, the creative is going to get with the financer and say, "I'm going to build it." And once it's built, the financer is going to act differently than he did before it was built. That's just the story of time. 
and that's why I exploded. Because you can never, you can't say that to me. I'm going to always opt to go and build again without you. That's been the story of my career as well. So some of those habits just were helpful still. Joe being Joe was helpful still. Not erratic, not, pardon me, out of control, not ill-tempered. Was very thought out. Was very, we're going to do this on the side of simply what's right and what's wrong. Like, you can ask my business partner. Everything I do is, is that right or is it wrong? And it works that way. And that's how we've gotten here. But explosions help. Yeah. Makes people think he's independent, he's real. Oh, I don't know about any of that. How does it I help? Can't, I can't. Well, I'm saying this in hindsight. I'm saying this looking back. At the time, you don't know that. You don't know that exploding will help. At the time, that's a risk. <laughs> At the time, it could piss somebody off. There's a million things that could happen then. I'm saying looking back. It helps. Wow. <laughs> Who knew that me leaving Complex would grow my podcast audience that much in a time where people don't even know if audiences are transferable. Yeah. So yeah, that was like shit. Why does the podcast work so well? Why do so many people want to listen to it? I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I would be lying, man. I don't know. I don't know. I still try to figure it out every week. It's unique. I mean, I think what you did with Everyday Struggle, State of Culture, is different. Very different. They're all different. So, I mean... Well, the podcast is great. The podcast is great because those are really just my friends. Like, really. Like, today we see a whole bunch of podcasts with people attempting to look like friends. Which, cool, but these are really my friends. Like, Parks was has been my engineer since 08. Maul has been my man since Mood Music 3. And Rory's my man. Newer than them, but nonetheless still my man. And we just kick it like that. It's just, it's, we just go in there and talk how we normally talk. About a lot of shit that I probably wouldn't normally talk about, but still. I find myself, I like the the shitster of everyday struggle and state of the culture, where you are a little bit more of the truth teller, elder statesman, let me tell you why this is happening. I've been there, I've seen that. What you're saying is bullshit. This is what's <laughs> real. The podcast guy is a little more chill. He's hanging with his friends. Yeah. With with say the culture, everyday struggle, you kind of have your armor on and you're kind of like, that's bullshit. And, and but not like, because you've been there and done that as an artist, mm -hmm. you can really say that's bullshit. Yeah. And it's different than, you know, like I understand the business, but you're, I've been in it. Mm-hmm. 
and I know what that artist said there is bullshit or what that label did there is bullshit. And I also know that being that guy, it comes along with being labeled nuts because you're always looking through a very unique just view. You're looking through, it's rarefied air. It's it's a lens that very few people are going to understand what you're saying. So... We're just rolling with what you're saying. <laughs> well, one thing you do well, which I appreciate as a person, I mean, we are older in hip hop culture now, right? We are not the dominant generation, mm-hmm. right? And we're not the, our generation is not the dominant consumer. Mm-hmm. And you speak from the perspective of, I've been in this for a while. I am the older generation of this, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like to me, and maybe it's because we're generational peers. It doesn't sound like, get off my lawn, you kids, with your shitty modern hip hop. It's like, no, let me keep it real because yeah, I've been there, done that. I had to work, I had to work through that. Because there was a time where it did come off that way. Uh earlier this decade. Uh maybe two thousand eleven to two thousand fourteen. It was like, oh, what the fuck are these kids doing? The music. Um but once you let go of that, what really helped me with that was my son rapping, <laughs> mm. to be honest. That really, really, that really fucking was a teachable time for me. Like my son rapping, figuring out what he wants to do in this climate, this industry of fuck shit, like it changes your perspective a little bit. So and then I started looking at all the kids like they were like my kids. It's like, damn, I just want to arm these kids with, like, info. Now, what they do with it is what they do with it. They're operating at a different time with different tools. But I just wanted to arm them. So that's probably why it doesn't sound like that now. Wait, take me into how your son's foray into emceeing helped you more deeply understand the next generation. He's He's how old? 18 now. He's 18. So, well, he's just barely, he's just, he's actually not a millennial. No. Yeah. He's, he's Gen Z. (laughs) I don't know. But the, the the youth, but how did, how did, how did his endeavor into emceeing help you start to say, oh, I understand the youth better. I understand what they're trying to do better. Um, I mean, even before, before he was comfortable letting me hear the, the raps from him. Just him playing music around me. That was helpful to me. And we would talk about the music he liked, the music he listened to. He would put me on to certain artists that eventually went on to do great things. I think the first time I heard Tory Lanez was from my, my kid. I'd say, hey, what's that? What's his chick's tape one? Who's that? Oh, he's this kid from over here. He's pretty big. He's We were having those types of talks, so... When he started rapping or when he was comfortable letting me hear the raps, then naturally that progressed into conversations about him rapping and studios and some of the struggles that come along with trying to rap at that age. Like, damn, that uh, our laptop crashed that we were working on and fucking my friend, the car broke down so we don't have a way to get to the studio. Like, I remember all of this, like me going through it. Um, and then the music that he was making, like, what are you making? Who are you trying to appeal to? What is your goal? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to, you trying to get signed? Like already you in a different space because you are rapping and you in college. 
Like, I didn't go. Uh, I'm so glad that this is your experience. But now, how does that look? Trying to rap and go to college. Like, just being able to understand what the younger generation was thinking with music, uh, how they were feeling about music, um, and how they were feeling about us. Like, I, I'll say shit to my son. I'll say, get your whole ass out of here. He wouldn't say that ever, but... Sometimes you can see it. You can see the, uh, this old guy, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. My son is 12, so he's still kind of a baby. But he, when, when OK Boomer came out and he started coming home and be like, OK Boomer, I'm like, I'm not a boomer. <laughs> but there were different little things that he's like, you don't know a that. Boomer. You don't know that. Like, I'm like, well, no, I'm not following YouTube and the shit mm-hmm. you're, I, mean, I think when I found out about Mr. Beast and I was like, Who's this guy, the Beast? You know about this? He's like, it's Mr. Beast, Dad. <laughs> like, all right, and you and you know all about this? Yeah, Dad, mm-hmm. I know all about. It. Like, okay, okay. You start to feel really old. Well, that's the goal to feel old, to age. Yeah, aging is cool. I just don't want to feel old. Nah, I, I like all of that shit. I mean, I like we're still in youth culture. So I don't want to feel old. Like my dad's cultural distance from me when he was 50 is different than, like I'm still in youth culture. I'm still, my dad was not caring about like the new record that was coming out. Yeah, like, but that's, stop, Tori. That's not youth culture though. Of course it is. We're, we're music we're, lovers. Like the new Tyler, the Creator album. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not giving the youth that. I like fucking music. And until I die... I'm going to like fucking music. I'm going to love this shit. I'm going to wear it like a badge on me. Everything in hip hop, I'm just not attributing to the young, the young shit. No. Give, give me this. Fuck cause, that. Because you had your career as an MC, a lot of accolades, a lot of respect, a lot of critical love. I want you to talk about what it is to be a great MC. What does it mean in terms of the writing, the delivering? The, the creating great music as an MC? Uh, well, shit, where do you start with that? It was everything to me. Um, and I always start with, well, what, what do you want out of this? I tell that to everybody because that answer is going to be different for everybody. For me, I only ever wanted the respect of the MCs that I deemed to be great MCs. Which were who? At the time, oh man. Well, my introduction was Chuck D. LL. Mm-hmm. I was from from Queens, so that was important. Run DMC, Rock M. Big Daddy Kane was probably my favorite. Uh, Ice Cube was one of my favorites. Scarface was one of my favorites. Uh, then that went to, of course, the Biggie, nice. Nas, uh, Hove, Pun, Mob. Like, it was beans crept in there, like, as we kept going. So when I came in, it was officially, I'm taking my fan hat at the door, and I'm here now. And, yeah. And I took pride. I took pride in that. So it was always about getting better. 
It was always about. Well, back then that was our badge, our words. That's how that's how it started. Now it didn't it didn't became about some other things. It's different. But back then, yeah, that was our our sword. So, yeah, I remember. I always tell this story. I was in Def Jam. I think the day that I was in there to sign my contract. And my A&R was Skein, and he happened to be real cool with the old Rockefeller. And I think Hove walked by, and he said something to Skein. And I looked, and I just turned right back around and went to doing what I was doing. And he came to introduce me. He said, hey, I want to introduce you. And I shook his hand, and I went right back to doing what I was doing. And that was like a moment. That was like a, because, oh, shit, it's Hove. Like, it's, it's, he's the best. But I'm here. You can't see that. It's the same as uh, Draymond Green saying, no, nobody on the team can wear LeBrons if we go in to play LeBron. Right. Like, it's a men- mentality thing. I carried my whole career like that. That's why I have so many rap beefs. Beefs with everybody. That I respected, though. It was a way to get sharper. It was a way to see see what was what. Even though I didn't learn, there's no way you can ever see what's what. It's all opinion. (laughs) We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. 
influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. When you're writing, let's start there. How do you write? How do you know? Okay, that's a that's a hot bar. That needs more work. Mm. Now I know it's a hot bar. You know it's you know a hot bar when it comes. How could I explain that to you? I'm not so sure. Because that's that process is gonna be different for everybody. Me, I'll go through a verse a million times. I don't write it down unless I'm one hundred percent positive that I feel a way about it. I feel like this is this is heat. So you start talking it out. Did you oh, yeah, you yeah, write yeah. in the studio? Yeah. I'll write anywhere, but yeah, I'll write in the studio. And so you're talking it out and then write it down yeah. and then wrap it? Yeah. Because some people never wrote it down. You were in the era where some people were not actually writing it down. Who cares? I, well, is, no, I just your people. process, your, whatever your process is. Yes, that started happening. But yeah, we uh, for me, it just went from notebook to phone. Sure. It had to get written, though. It had to get written. Why? Everything is better when it's tangible. If I if I if I'm if I have plans for tomorrow, it's better that I write it down. Hell yeah. My grocery list. Like I, I feel that way about writing things down. When you're able to look at something, it changes it. So were you big on tinkering with, you know, like I got I got this bar, maybe change this word, try this other word, try this other meaning. Yeah. Just like definitely, you definitely tinker. The tinkering process stops when it's released. But you're always tinkering. You tinker when it's written down. You tinker um, when you record it. You're tinkering. When you listen back, you're listening for the tinker. Actually, the next 200 times that you listen back will be for the tinker. So, yeah, that. that Because a lot of MCs try to make it like, yeah, I just came up with it, I spat it. And we left. But again, and you're like, no, it, I work on I listen to it over and over and over. Again, no. The style changed. So that I'm sure started happening a lot. But there are some people from our class that that would never happen. We don't we weren't brought up that way. So you go in the booth. studio lab rats. Yeah, you go in the booth. And you're spitting it, and you're. Are you thinking really about like you know the tone and the way you say each word? And yeah, yeah, you're thinking about what sounds and doesn't sound pleasurable with words. Sometimes there's a word that makes all the sense and it goes with the verse, but it's just not a word that sounds good. And it's your job to say what sounds good. So you, yeah, you're thinking about all those things. You're thinking about how to change words, uh, slur words, uh, new words. 
you're thinking of. I always find it fascinating when the MC when the MCs start spelling shit out because okay, now you have opened this up even more to where you taking me with this. Um, yeah, you should be thinking about all that shit. What are some words that you really like and some words that you really don't like? I don't really like the word orange. <laughs> no. It's stupid. What other words don't I like? Well, what words do I like? I like all the words except for orange. <laughs> I like all the words except for orange. Orange is just pointless. Somebody should have thought of something better. For that. I remember finding out a lot of people don't like the word moist. I love that word. <laughs> really? I had a whole thing about it. I remember being on one of my jobs and it's like, everyone's like, Ugh, that that particular word just sounds just like, like everyone kind of freak out. Wow. <laughs> there's, okay. an onom- there's an onomatopoetic sense to it, which makes me attracted to it. You know what I mean? Um, what, what what else do you like? Words you like, like in terms of like, it's such a weird question. Try to get, but you play with words. That's you, the language is your piano as an MC. So I imagine there's certain words that you're like. I know other MCs have said like, you know, I wanted to get this word in a verse, and it took me three years to find the right space for, but I finally found. Oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. For me, I never wrote that way. I never focused on, I never isolated words. It was always, what does this group of words together say? So I never went into a verse with like a favorite word or a word that was going to, Probably throughout my career, the word that I've probably said the most is feeling, if I just had to guess. Uh, But I never went into a verse saying, all right, I'm going to flip feeling or freak my feelings. I never did that. What do you think about nigga? Do you like the word? Don't like the word? How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm conflicted. Depends. How? Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I get way deeper with it. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of love that can be baked into that word that a black man can say to another, I love and respect you and I see you in the way you say, you know, what's up, my nigga? Mm -hmm. That we can't or don't express in other ways. Uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. And then the next day I'll wake up and say, okay, but what does that do when someone else hears it? Sure. Sure. I mean, there's always going to be in-group words and words that, you know, if you say it, it means something different than if I say it or if a white man says it or a woman or whatever. Like, that's, you know, I mean, there's a whole identity politics around that. Then I also have to get into, you know, we make the mistake of assuming that uh, 
most of our brothers have the same knowledge. So you bump into some black people who still don't really have any knowledge of that word and where it stems from. So then, then I couldn't, then, then we not baking it with the same love. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying the love is automatic. I'm saying the, that you can put that in there and I can feel that. And when the way that some people say it oh, okay, yeah. and, and the way that some people put it on a record or what. Oh yeah. 100%. Not always. I agree with that. Not always. Some people use it in a very flimsy yeah, yeah. way that I'm like, what? Yeah. It's not, it's no power in that. Yeah. That's that, that, that and, and it, you know, it's, I couldn't even create rules for it, but like, I know it when I hear it, like, oh, wow, that was really powerful. And I felt mm -hmm. him saying like, you know, I love you. I feel you. I see you. Yeah. And over here, I'm like, does, what, you, you know, true. Some of it is like that, that, that like deaf comedy jam where it's just like, it's too much. It's mm -hmm. too much. It, you know, you keep throwing in nigga every three lines just to make sure the audience knows. Yeah, that's not, that's, that can, that can get stale quickly. Um, what are some of the challenges of being a great MC that the rest of us don't really know because we don't see what it is? Well, shit, earlier when I was just telling you how I went over everything a gazillion times. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> um, the great MCs are usually meticulous that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's overlooked by consumers. It's like that's an afterthought. But when you are meticulous that way, you're meticulous with with all of it. Mm -hmm. And it's it becomes a heavy weight, a heavy weight to carry. Like I always, in, in my story, story of my retirement, I always share that, yo, Recording albums for me was taxing. Physically, emotionally? All of it. All of it. Because you're pulling from so deep. Like, you're really getting deep into that bag. You are you are extracting. Like that that's what you're doing. And it's a lot. And it takes a long time. It takes that takes months. Like, yeah, everybody can have these stories now. Oh, when the boom, I did this whole album in seven days. I did this album in uh, uh, did 10 songs that day. I hear you. Mm. I, I hear you. Some of us, no, nah, we going in there and we going to give it to you. And that could be a four-month, five-month, six-month process. I was one of those MCs. I was waiting for life, life to happen. So, you know. I'm liable to start the song in September and maybe get back to it later if the mood is different. So then you had that. It was just timing. Also timing. I don't think consumers pay too much attention to how important timing is in music. Just with when records drop, when they're recorded, the art of thoughts coming to you the art of stressing yourself out so that thoughts aren't, are not coming to you now. Like it's just, it's all taxing. Well, the timing also, especially in hip hop of when you say a word, right. In relationship to the beat. And that can be everything compared to like, if the song 
rocks and you're like in it because the MC has to be a drum within the beat. I'm looking for that though, and I totally agree with that. But I'm looking for that in uh, the stand-up comic. Absolutely. I'm looking for it in the presidential speech. I'm looking for it. I'm always looking for the timing of when a word is dropped. It's beautiful. The dope pause that yeah. sucks you in. Oh, Obama was the man at that. Yeah. I mean, you I mean, you could start rapping. And right. then that's an art too. Wait, not to cut you off. That's an art too that I had to learn. When to pull a word. When to just, when there just shouldn't be a word. When to just breathe right there. Like, it's all art. You were saying. Um, No, I mean, how do you create that rhythm with the voice? Because you could start rapping right now and I would hear the rhythm that you're, that you're, that you're hearing that I don't hear, right? Because you're an MC. Yeah. That's that that is the key. That is the difference between spoken word and rapping. Right? And how do you create that rhythm just through the talking? Because <laughs> we black. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how. Uh, your voice is an instrument, man. Yeah. Your voice is an instrument. And when you understand the power of it. And what you can do by just, yeah, there's a power in that. There's a power in that. Every artist goes over their work over and over and gets to that point when you talk about being meticulous. Gets to that point where like, I can't see it anymore. I can't hear it anymore. I've read it a hundred times. I listened to it a hundred times. I can't hear it fresh anymore. And the great artists are able to push through that and continue editing it, even though they've listened to it or read it a hundred thousand times. How do you do that? How do you get to maintaining a fresh ear when, like, you've listened to the song two hundred times? I've read this bar two hundred times, but like, still, well, understanding how your mind and your ear works as well—that's a process. Um. Plenty of times I've left the studio at 2 a.m. thinking the song sounded one way. And at 9 a.m., that song sounded totally different because of how our ears and our brains process things at different times contingent on how our body feels. Had, had, to, had to learn that. Um, and other times it's just pushing, pushing through pushing through and I'll, and I'll do that when, you know, there's been times where I've had a beat on loop for a month, no matter where I was at in a car. If there's girls in the car, sorry, this is the beat Um, (laughs) in the crib. The beat is on blast. If you come to my house, can't really talk. This beat is on blast. Damn the same beat. Yes. The same beat is on blast. Um, but a trainer will tell you that too. Like a, 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 a trainer will take you to the gym and, and say, you know, all of us are getting there and do tw- 10 dips, 20 dips, and stop when you think you can't take anymore. But it's when you push through that 
the muscle really and then they get in a whole extra trainer gym shit. But I believe in that. You got to push past the point of your mind telling you you're done. And that's in music too. Do you like the sound of your voice? Sometimes. Sometimes I know. There's been long periods this year where I've wanted to not hear my voice because I hear it too much. That's crazy of wanting to get away from the sound of your voice because you can't. Yeah, I want to shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> I do. And, my, and, and whatever my next contract is, I'm putting that in there. I need to shut the fuck up time. It's not even healthy to talk that much. It's also an adjustment to learning the difference between the way your voice sounds to you and the way your voice sounds to other people. Yeah. And when you start to put on headphones or watch yourself on television and you hear the way your voice actually sounds mm -hmm. as opposed to the way it sounds when it's reverberating through your skull. Well, that's why on, in, in my podcast videos, you'll see I'm the only one that ever wears the headphones. The rest of them say, I don't need headphones. I know. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I sound. And I say, no, you don't. Not listening to how I sound, listening to how I sound to them. <laughs> I mean, I can't do anything about it. Well, you sound great. <laughs> I don't wear headphones because I can't do anything about it. I can't oh. change the way that I sound. This is the way that I sound. No, you can change some shit. You got a program or two in there. <laughs> <laughs> put, put some auto tune auto on you. Them. Yeah, <laughs> put, get, get you right. <laughs> what is the um? What's the worst part of MC life that they they don't understand? Worst part. Um, I'm sure that answer is probably different for everybody too. But for me. It just wasn't a healthy lifestyle for me. <laughs> Not that I live so healthy now. I live a lot healthier than when I rapped. Like, 
You go on tour and there'd be days where you probably <laughs> won't eat because you just got places to be. Uh, you and I, would we were laughing off, off air about, about rappers being late to places. And that's true. But when I think about it, I could see how, they, how they'd be late. Some of them I'm, I'm watching on Instagram and I get tired. Like if you just look at the baby's last week, you might get exhausted. Mm. And then he's on there telling you, hey, I'm in Nebraska. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, I'm over here. Fam, I just got home. <laughs> I just got home from the day. And you in nine different places. Lizzo's IG. Oh, she's another one. She's another one. She's everywhere. She's another one, man. She'll let it out. She'll let you know, like, I am tired. I am sick. I need a break. No, please. This industry will collapse without Adderall. <laughs> Sorry. You took that? To keep it going? Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. The big ones, too. The big ones. The big, big ones. Yeah. And they don't care. Do they care about your health or do they care only about you keeping it going? You know the damn answer to that. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you become a product. I mean, this is part of what you're We're talking about, products. the unhealthiness. We're all products. All products, not people, we're products. What is the responsibility that you feel to your ancestors? And where does that come out in your work? Um, legacy. Uh, I feel like I, I what, whatever my legacy ends up being, I owe that to my ancestors. I feel like, yeah, just that, just a certain, just to, just, just to wear, oh, wear the name with pride, uh, be the best representative of myself at all times. But it, yeah, there's a pride that comes with, with my last name. And where does that, where do you see that today? I take pride in I take pride in my son is my son is probably the first of us to actually attend college. Dad didn't go. Great granddad didn't go. Great great granddad didn't go. Broken that cycle. Yeah. Where'd he go? Montclair. I take pride in that. Um, Did you want to go to college? No. You didn't want. I I hate. America's version of school. I don't subscribe to that thinking. Did you finish high school? No. What year did you drop out? Tenth. Just not. I don't know. Important for me, again, to not spew my views on my kid. Who, hey, no, go get that experience. Tell me about it. Uh, but No. What, what America teaches us, it's a scam. In what way? It's all a lie. Everything that they, that they teach in school, it's not, it's, not, it's not American history. 
some of the things I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent that some of the things that you are taught are a farce are not accurate, but purposely, but what you get, what you get out of the educational experience in high school, especially as you get older and in college is it's building different parts of your mind so that you can learn how to learn. It doesn't really matter. You'll never need to know algebra in the who's, real world. Who said that you, okay, I understand that. Who said that you only get that from this place? Correct. Correct. Most people would not expose themselves to areas of learning that they don't like to be able to, you know, most people would not go in the gym and do, you know, calf exercises if it if it hurts, right? I saw this girl tweeting the other day, I wish I could drop my body off at the gym and come back when it's done. Well, everybody hates leg day. I'm like, I don't, I, no, like, I like working out. I don't, I want the, the pain. process of it. I like reading. I like reading difficult shit and I'm trying to figure it out. I didn't love all the subjects in school, but like, I understood afterwards, like, the math, the language, the different subjects that you're going after help you under, help you build your mind to where you can teach yourself what you want to learn. No, it wasn't helping me to build my mind at all. None of it at any time. I was always way ahead of whatever the class was teaching. It was boring. Um, where were you at? My school. What, what part? Yeah, school? what school did you drop out of? Uh, Lincoln High School. Well, I dropped out of a few schools. I dropped out. I went to Laurenburg Prep in Laurenburg, Laurenburg, North Carolina. And then from there, I went to Lincoln High School in Jersey City, and I left there. I was done. And I maybe tried a few schools after that, some Votex shit. Did you drop out or you got kicked out? No, I left. I stopped going. This Lincoln, is not it. Kicked out. This is not This is not for me. I'll come up here at lunchtime and rap. <laughs> but, but no, I'm not sitting there. And then to pay for college? More? School, homework. Nah, I never understood any of that. You look like blown away right now. No, not at all. A lot of people, there's definitely people who have felt that way, have felt let down by the educational offerings. I'm trying to wonder, was your mom saying, no, you got to go to school? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering. Definitely. Got to go to school. Got to go to school. Got to get an education. My mom and dad, all, that's all they ever preached. This was a Joe decision. <laughs> totally against their, their teachings. You were hard. Were you hard to raise? I would say. <laughs> I always had to get the information on my own. And I've always been, I've always had to get the information on my own. I've always been inquisitive. I've I've always been uh I've always had an issue with authoritative figures. Yeah, those were constants. So school was never gonna that was never gonna pan out. I mean, it worked out for you. But even as you see in the macro, it's worked out for you. Are there places where you see like, hmm, I do feel like I have some gaps here and there because I didn't do that? No. 
where you spot a gap, you go and you read, you go and you research, you go and you be clear. I am not saying that people shouldn't be educated. <laughs> You've educated yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm blessed to be in a field where, you know, they educated me. Like the industry, they would never teach you or prepare you for any of this industry shit in a school somewhere. True. No. The, the industry, yeah, they taught me a good one. What drives you? What do you do it all for? Passion. Passion for what? Creating. I love to create. I love everything about it. I love starting from scratch, building, seeing something go. It's all chess. It's all just a mind fuck. I love it. I mean, the starting is fun. The getting into it and getting messy. I love it. Trying to figure it I out. I love it. Where does this go? Yes. Where do I go next? It's the best. It's the best. You just fucking explained it. The editing process. Oh, yes. Cut that out. Add this. I feel like on the page, at least, it's like I have unpopped kernels and I'm going through it, applying the heat. And I'm like, oh, I could blow this idea up. I don't need this idea. And it's becoming popcorn Mm -hmm. because it's getting more right, more complex, more closer to something that I'm like, yes. Yeah. It's the imagining, the reimagining, twisting and contorting of things to just the, the ill ill and odd placements of things and how that works. It's just all a big, big puzzle. When you go out to do a TV show, it's a little different. There's no editing process. It's not the same as creating a song or writing a book or whatever. We just go out, we perform, and then it's done. No, it's editing. A little. But like, not like what we're talking about. Like you no, listen to like the song that. over and over and how can I make this line better? How can I make this line sound better? How can I Yeah, make no, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that. It's a different it's a different outlet. It's more in your you know, it's more like your live performance. Yeah. It's your live performance. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a band that you're doing it with. Mm-hmm. Currently now you have Ebony. Ebony K. Williams, Remy, Jinx. It's my revolt band. I've got the guys at the pod. It's my pod band. I've got a few bands. Well, no, and when I do the pull-up, Excuse me. I'm the band. Right. It's 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 an intense thing. I mean, like the the podcast, like they're all on your team, but when you go do state of culture, it's a little bit more of a battle. <laughs> we're not necessarily sometimes we're on the same team. Sometimes we're competing for ideas, for airtime, for whatever. No, no, what's awesome about this? What's awesome about this is I totally get your point. And you may be absolutely right. <laughs> For me, it's the exact opposite. 
<laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> At the pod, those are my friends. And because they're my friends, they're always against me. <laughs> they are every word that comes out of my mouth. They are against it. And they look to fucking just step on a lead, stomp on a point. They're your friends. They have no sense of what is going on here. Just your friends kicking it. Over there, these people who are, are not my friends are very much in the know of what's going on here. And we all have kind of that same common goal and objective in mind. So we play like a, a four-man band. Like, I get it off, throw it. Uh, hey, this is not my area expertise. Here. Uh, when maybe she don't want to talk about some shit, she tossed the Remy. When it's some girl shit only, me and Jinx. Like, it's in, it's in, con- it's in, which it's in unison. It, we're, we're acting in concert, even though it doesn't appear that way to some people. You rehearse at all? No. Do you think about like what you're going to. No, I don't want any rehearsing on any of my shows. Any of them. On Revolt, we have our, we have our midweek call where we'll go over the topics that we want to discuss. And even in that, we end it there. I don't want to hear how any of you feel about this. You want to right be surprised now. on the show. Tell me on air. I will have no practice or rehearsal, and this is live action. On the podcast, same thing. Hey, this is what I would like to talk about. Oh, yeah, I was just, tell me later. I don't want to hear any of that shit right now. On the pull-up, uh, when I get with artists, first thing I say, I don't have any questions. I'm not writing anything down. I'm not reading anything. We're just going to kick it. And they say, cool. There's no rehearsing. It's it's a little the notion of, to me of going into going into an interview with no questions and no prep is scared. We're going to have just a conversation. I'm, not, I'm like, not. I'll never know what to ask. Tori, you have not needed that book one time sitting here. No, I mean, no, I've been going through this. Book I know and try to figure out. But you haven't needed well, that book. This interview in particular was special and unique to me because I knew you can't, you don't just like write a bunch of questions and ask Joe, like it has to be organic. It has to be in the moment. So a lot of things that I asked just came to me in the moment. You said this and I thought of that, but most people it's much more directed. See, in my case, I don't want to talk to anybody where I have to do that. I don't want to speak to anybody where it has to be directed. I have to go research. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't have a vested interest in. No, you're going to feel that in the art. I want to talk to somebody who, hey, I've been following you anyway. So now that I have you here, let me just ask some shit I want to know. I don't, yeah, the, the publicists, the label people, they always send over the points of things. Mm-hmm. I laugh. If you know, what, is, what is this? <laughs> what, 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 you got me fucked up. Like, we're not going to talk about any of this. On Everyday Struggle, the publicist used to come there saying, can we not talk about this? And I used to say, that's probably exactly what we're going to talk about. <laughs> like, I made it a point to go against whatever the publicist said. I just like natural shit 
Like the industry needs to change that. Well, it's changed now, but yeah, the same old. But you got to be good as a talker or an interviewer, whatever you want to call it, to really be in the moment and to carry on a a conversation without having any structure to it. It's hard. Nah. Remember, I, I told <laughs> you're you. You're good at this. I told you earlier. And you're in your lane. Well, we you are who you are. And I told you earlier that my entire life I've been inquisitive. And I'm an artist. So, and not just an artist. I was a long-winded artist. Mm-hmm. You would be hard-pressed. You're not going to find but so many 16-bar Joe Budden verses. They're all 24, 32, 64, 99, 120, 250. It was that. So if you stop that, yeah, naturally the inquisitive guy who don't have that outlet anymore probably got a whole lot to say. Let's throw into the pot. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe any of this shit. So we can talk for hours. <laughs> What's up? What are we kicking it about? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what is what is a wait, what is a theory? Of, let's say a recent theory, conspiracy theory, as you call it, that you've that you've picked up that you're like this. Oh, oh I can't say. Uh, I can't say. I fucking get shot. Something you can say. Oh, okay. A recent conspiracy. Just, just a new, a newish hmm. idea that has come into. The you know your your understanding of like oh come back to me <laughs> I have to, I've I've had one of those really recently but I'm having a brain freeze. Well, the other thing that I would ask you about what has because you grew up with nothing and now you're my mom would curse you out if you said that. Am I wrong? You said you grew, I mean, my mom, I, my, my, not my, being my, insulting my, to. My mom would tell you that I come from a middle-class family. Is that what you think? Well, some shit is factual. Okay. Not. Like I wouldn't, I would have never been able to say because as a child, you're not, you're not really thinking about how your mom is getting this together. Okay. No. Now that I'm older. Yeah. No, my mom always had a job. I thought you said you were in the projects. We were in the projects. Okay. What does that mean? Still had a job. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't try to make shit hot. Whatever scam my mom was running <laughs> to be in the projects was, was in place, I'm sure. But we left there, and we went to St. Albans, Queens. Okay. I, I was in the projects from birth to, and not even, she'll get mad if I say that. I was born at Lenox Hill, which... My mom will say, ain't just Harlem Hospital. And then I was in the projects from then to maybe three or four. And we went to St. Albans, Queens, which was beautiful. And I was there till 13, which was Jersey City, which was beautiful still. So, yeah, she would be she would be right. She's okay. always worked. She's always had a job and she's been we were middle class. Any problems me and my brother encountered? We went out and found him. <laughs> We're looking for him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm, I'm an inquisitive kid. I was a curious kid. Okay, all right, all right. Excuse me for not knowing the full of that. And I only even know all of this because I've had interviews where I've maybe said some of these things and my mom cursed me out. 
Like, what the fuck do you mean you come from poverty? You lying in all these fucking songs. You, I've, we, you've never been without. Yeah. <laughs> My story sounds better. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. Um, but now you got something. Now you're comfortable. And really the question I'm trying to get at I'm is. I'm the first comfort. I take pride in that too. I'm probably the first person in my family that's discomfortable. What has having money afforded you? Oh, man. Heartache and pain. <laughs> what? Heartache and pain. It's added to my, not even a conspiracy theory. It's added to my American beliefs about part part of why school is a scam. It starts there. That that hey, look at that fucking full circle. Yes, that's it. Starts at school being a scam because K kindergarten through high school and maybe even college. They're giving you all of this information about how the world works and what you'll need to operate. And if you never get any money, you'll just go out in the world operating just like that. The second that you get a couple of dollars, no, you operate. It's a whole new world to learn <laughs> that they didn't tell you anything about. Yeah, it's a scam. What is the scam trying to? It's smoke and mirrors. The scam is smoke and mirrors story because you look confused. No, but I mean, what it's, is what is the scam it's, it's trying to get you to do? Is it trying to get you to be a happy worker? No, it's just taxing everywhere. It's just taxing you. In school, they don't tell you that. They get a certain amount for every head that they put in the seat. They don't tell you that. There's, they're getting a certain amount of money from the board or the state and they're funneling and using it to do everything but actually school you. It's the same thing they do in jail, just at a different rate. It's the same thing they do here with us being here. It's just taxing everywhere. That's it. But you said that having money, heartache and pain. It is heartache and pain. It costs money to have money. It costs money to not have money. Poverty is taxing. It costs more money to have money. <laughs> You mean paying taxes or you mean like people coming at you like, all of it. please give me some, please all give me some. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. When I was broke, it was just me and my dogs. And yeah, we were broke, but we had, because I mean, because what do you really need as a human? Like once you get into that, I've always been low maintenance. I've never needed very much, so... I was always rich in my ideals. Um, so yeah, I was broke as me and my dogs. And yeah, we was broke, but fuck it, we was having fun, smoking hookah and shit. Second you get some money, yeah, yeah. it's annoying. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's an annoyance. And I don't want to sound grateful because I'm not. I'm super appreciative of where my what my talent has afforded me. But I just view it different. You have been successful in a number of fields, in a number of different ways. There is something unique about you that has allowed you to be successful in different fields and in different ways. What is your superpower that has allowed you to be successful? 
Um, I don't think I have a superpower. I think that me being curious has has been helpful to me. I think that me being an introvert has been helpful to me. It, it's allowed for time alone, and that time alone is allowed for being comfortable in being alone. That allows for being comfortable being alone in thought. Like, those things have been important. Um, yeah, just tra- just transforming certain things. Maybe fear, Maybe fear from childhood turned into foresight in adulthood. Foresight has helped me. Yeah, that that is what it's been. It's been that correlation between fear and foresight because I have all out of out of fear, I have always had to be the first somewhere in my professional career. Um Yeah, because once everybody else comes, then y'all are just here and there's nothing special about it. In hindsight, it's been a major part of my story. Like I said at my start, I've I've done a lot. But because of being able to pivot, being able to go the other way, being able to look at something, assess, and say, this is either for me or not for me. Those things have greatly attributed to the success. And even today, um, in all of my deals, I negotiate so that I can remain nimble. That's very important. As a creative, I can't ever feel strapped down, hindered. That's going to make Joe feel bad. And when Joe feels bad, I'm going to make sure all of us know that Joe's feeling bad. It's not good for business. I can get out if I want to. I can move how, get out, yeah. how I want to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I... Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I like for people... I like that people know that about me. It's important. It's been important in business. Thanks so much to Joe for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, and Graville Calais. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.
We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.